Welcome to Nothing Is OB Golf Podcast, episode number 14. I'd like to say a special thank you to Plaza Club and Club Court for allowing us to record this pod from their beautiful facility. I hope you enjoy. Today I have James Wilson, TGA Premier Sports of North San Antonio. And if anyone want, wants to know what TGA stands for, what does it stand for, James? It stands for Teach, Grow, and Achieve. All right, there you go. Now, um, we just had a big lunch here in the Plaza Club here downtown on the top level of the Frost Bank. Uh, thank you, James. And had, had a couple of drinks. You're welcome. Yeah, I know. It's been great. It was a big salad. All right. So, yeah. All right. You didn't finish it, though. I you did. didn't finish yours. <laughs> Are you relaxed now? I know you've had a couple of drinks. Yeah, I am relaxed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Just to start off with, uh, James is one of my good buddies from uh, the Golf Fellowship. And James, tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, great. Uh, so... Again, my name is James Wilson. I'm a, a father of three wonderful kids, Walker, Abigail, and Oliver, nine, six, and two, and been married to my wonderful wife, Melissa Wilson, for a little over 12 years. Um, I was born and raised outside Cody, Wyoming, uh, lived in a bunch of states growing up, uh, lived in Livingston, Montana, Estes Park, Colorado, Wyoming, like I mentioned. Uh, went to high school in uh, southern New Mexico in a town called Truth or Consequences. I don't know if you've hey, heard of it. Hey, Mick Foley. Yeah, Mick Foley. Cactus Jack. Right. Cactus yeah, Jack. And, yeah, that's about one of the only good things that came from TRC. So, <laughs> and you. Um, and you. And, and, and you. Yeah, no, there's some good friends, and it's great to go back there. And uh, there's a wonderful lake there called Elephant Butte Lake. And really, uh, that that's where I uh, you know fell in love with the, the game of golf. But uh, we'll get to that later. But, yeah. Family of five, and uh, I'm 35 myself, and just lo- love my family. That's kind of my the best fruit in my life, and thing I'm most most excited about. Well, you sound like you. you I heard you talk them up a lot, and um, it seems like that you started this a lot of this franchise that that you have. It seems like hopefully that you know one day they'll they'll be you know big partakers of this. Yeah, you know my uh, my son, my oldest son's nine, Walker, and. Uh, and he's like a, a mini Dave Ramsey, right? So he just he loves numbers, he loves math, he loves saving money, and he loves. That's a good thing money. for you, right? That's it a good is, thing for right? you. Yeah. And uh, so he's trying to figure out how to take up a job. So I told him he can pick up my neighbor's dog, you know, uh, leftovers, and he can mow grass. And uh, I think his first job will probably be teaching with TGA here in a few years. I'll figure out a way to. To allow him to instruct other other young kids. Oh, so that's so you mean you're gonna bank off of him, right? Well, uh, not necessarily. <laughs> you know, no, he'll get paid right. Now, where did you graduate college from? Uh, Purdue University, out in out in Indiana, West Lafayette, Indiana. The Purdue, all right. Yeah, so, okay, so all right, you said Wyoming, yeah. you said Colorado, yeah. you said New Mexico, yeah. you didn't say Indiana. I didn't say Indiana. <laughs> I'll, I'll send this uh, podcast to my friend Mike Coza because he, he he claims that I'm from Indiana, but I'm not. I went to college out there. Uh, we did uh, we did spend a little bit of time there when I was like in kindergarten or first grade. Uh, my dad was actually a preacher, and uh, we could have a whole nother hour conversation about that, but. Uh, he was a preacher, so he used to go and start up uh, little churches all across, uh, usually the Rocky Mountains, um, take over churches that needed help, and uh, just raise a great family. But yeah, Indiana is really where I went to college, and after that, I, uh, I left and I took my first job in Southern California. Now, now tell me, uh, what's the hottest spot to be in Purdue? Oh, Purdue! Wow. All right. So uh, the hottest spot to be at Purdue. I want to pretend like I'm 21 again. Um, but the hot spot, they have a thing called Breakfast Club. Have you heard of Breakfast Club? At never, Purdue? never. Okay. So Purdue, they, they had a great basketball run this year. Made it to the Sweet 16. Should have done better if Haas didn't get his broken elbow in the first round. Love the coach. Love yeah, the coach. Matt Painter's great. But 
oftentimes they're not the best at sports. They've had a good basketball team for a long time. They had a good run with Drew Brees and Kyle Wharton out at uh, for football when I went out there. Hey, Drew Brees. Yeah, Texas Austin. Boy. Yeah, Austin. exactly. And so we've had good runs in sports, but most of the sports, not so much. So what they would do at the beginning of every college football game, they were known for tailgating out at Purdue. And every Big Ten school and every SEC school says they're known for tailgating. But if you want to go to the best tailgate in the nation, go to Purdue because they have a thing called Breakfast Club and they open the bars at 6 o'clock in the morning. Every, wow. Every home game. Um, <laughs> and, and the kids, they dress up like it's Halloween. They, they dress up in costumes. So if you ever see you know Purdue playing Notre Dame on NBC this year, you'll see kids at 7 o'clock at night dressed up like it's Halloween, but it's you know, December um, or September. And they've, they've been at Harry's Chocolate Shop or Jake's since uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. Oh, man, I love to hear that. Um, especially this past several years, my wife and I have been huge into brunch. Okay. Like, we love yeah. brunching here in San Antonio, especially, like you said, where your office is, Southtown. Uh -huh. There's a lot of good spots over there. Right. So I can really dig going to Purdue. Yeah, I can really dig they it. They do a really good tailgate. It's not all parking lot. You know, Notre Dame, was, we went, I went to every Big Ten school and tailgated when I was at Purdue. And I'll, I'll still give Purdue the props. Uh, it, there's a lot of green grass, a lot of rolling hills and trees, and just a beautiful campus to hang out for the entire day. Okay. So what got you into this great game of golf? Oh, wow. So um, I would say growing up in Wyoming, I played the normal sports, which would have been football, baseball, basketball. I probably excelled more at baseball than anything. I thought you were going to say uh, riding horses, you know, because <laughs> cowboys. We did have cowboys. I, didn't, no, I was fixing fence. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first job was fixing fence, but not, not riding horses. Um, no, we did have a chance to ride horses up around Wapi to Wyoming near Yellowstone. Um, but, yeah, what got me into the game was, honestly, it was weird. You know, I was thinking about that question. I, I figured it was one you'd, be, you'd ask, listen to the other podcasts. And there was a couple different things. And they sound silly, but this is what got me into it. Payne Stewart uh, won, I believe, in uh, 91, the U.S. Open. And again, in 99, that famous Phil Mickelson round. Uh, Freddie Couples won in 92 at the Masters and growing up I didn't, we didn't have much money but we got NBC, CBS and Fox eventually came on that was a free channel and I remember Freddie and, and Payne Stewart winning and the, the way those guys handled themselves it was just like this magical thing of golf growing up in Cody, Wyoming there was only one golf course and it was at a country club and I, I, we just didn't have access to it I couldn't get on that country club no matter what so it was the inability to it was like this this goal this thing that was nearly impossible to achieve that i wanted to i was good at baseball um and then the other thing that got me into it believe it or not was on the old sega genesis there was a pga tour number two <laughs> i think i think if anyone's played that sega you play that game right and i was like and, and being kind of a math nerd i i love stats i love baseball i love sports i love golf for for math and i and, and golf had a different type of math. And uh, I remember I would just play that game more more just to, to try to get that negative score. And it was just different than everything else. Miniature putt, putt. I mean, any reason I could develop a passion for it, I developed a passion for it. But really it was just, I just wanted to play and I couldn't, I wasn't able to. So I played a lot of miniature putt, putt course. I had a lot of miniature putt, putt golf uh, there in downtown Cody. Who would you play with? My, my, my friend Bernie File. Me and him would play a lot uh, miniature putt, putt. Um, and then I, I would just hope and try to get out there to the, uh, the golf course. I remember one time in junior high, they said, yeah, come out. We're going to have a junior high team. And I went out there. That was my first hit on the driving range. 
first time hitting on the driving range and they're like, wow, James, you're good. And do you have your clubs? I'm like, nope, don't have any clubs. They're like, sorry, can't play. You don't have any clubs. And my family didn't have money. And so that, that was my first Oh, that shot. sucks, man. That it did. Sucks. It did. So, you know, that was, that was a tough, tough go. But, um, it, it, it was a shame. It was a shame that, you know, uh, I wasn't able to play that, that those junior high years and had to tuck my tail and go do something else. Well, you said a couple of big names in golf. Mm-hmm. You said Fred Couples, who, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is a Texas guy. But I know he's won a golf tournament here in Texas. Here in Texas, I was actually working there at uh, AT&T when he won. And a funny story about him is... After he won, I saw him take his hat off and kiss his caddy on the mouth, on the lips. <laughs> <laughs> and I, looked at, I looked at the other guys working at the hospitality tent. And I said, are y'all watching this? <laughs> and then and he turns around and his caddy turns around and it's his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. And I said, okay, whoa, makes sense. I was freaking out. I was like, I thought, you know what? It's an older guy. It's a bald <laughs> guy. Not that there's older anything man. wrong with that. <laughs> you, you know, exactly. Not that there's anything. It is, this is nothing is OB. Right, but, right. you know, it, it made me feel a little bit better seeing it was, and it was a gorgeous woman at that. Yeah. And you said Payne Stewart. Gosh, I loved, I loved watching Payne Stewart growing up. I loved him, especially because his style. He had a style like no other. The old school, he had the knickers. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, just the way, you know, like, it was magical watching him play, you know, seeing him with his big strike, his pose, you know, uh, and it was a shame. It was a shame when he passed away. And uh, my wife and I, we went to, we vacationed in Orlando uh, at Disney World. And we went there and I got to play the Magnolia course there uh, in Disney. And they have his locker glassed off because they have all the champions lockers there. They have their names on them and they have his locker there. They have, uh, they have his polo, they have his knickers, they have his shoes, they have his pants, they have his hat. And it's so funny because his, his sponsor was Top Flight. You know? <laughs> and right now it's not, a big, it's not a big name in golf, but it had it there. And I was just staring at it just because, just like you said, the way he was magical. You know, just the way he was in the course. And, and I can see that. I can see how somebody could fall in love with the game by watching him play. Now, today we're really talking about uh, the company that you, the company that you run, and the franchise that that you're an owner of, it's TGA Premier Golf, north of San Antonio, North San Antonio. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's a TGA Premier Junior Golf, North San Antonio. So TGA Premier Junior Golf and TGA Premier Sports is a national franchise. Um, so we operate in sixty cities, plus or minus five across the nation. A couple in Canada. Uh, we do golf. We've been doing golf for 15 years across the nation. They started tennis about five years ago. And just in the last couple of years, they started uh, team sports, which includes a multitude of sports like uh, lacrosse, field hockey, flag football, volleyball, cheerleading. <clears throat> and each of these things, golf, tennis, and those team sports are different franchises. Well, five years ago, when I came to San Antonio, I, I purchased the uh, San Antonio franchise for uh, golf. And what we cater to is... You know, it's different for every city, but the model really is kindergarten through fifth grade. There's a lot of pre-K programs. There's a lot of junior high programs, but me personally, 90% of it is uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. And the idea is, you know, when it, how it started 15 years ago kind of started more as a, a, a camp, a getaway camp for kids. And what, what it's transformed into is we're an after-school provider. We partner with school districts and private schools and community facilities and parking and recreation. And we bring all the equipment, 
we bring the coaches, we bring everything. We just we just want the kids to come and and give them that exposure, maybe that first time to ever touch a golf club. I mean, I, when I would do a lot of the coaching several years ago, I would ask a question: How many of you have you know ever touched a golf club before? And 80% of the hands were, this is the first time, you know, maybe we golf, maybe miniature putt-putt, but really this is the first time any of these kids have ever touched a golf club. So it's kindergarten through fifth grade at school campuses. We bring everything to them and we just try to make it super fun, super engaging, um, and allow those kids to be successful when they do get that opportunity to hit the green course. So your goal is to really put a club at every kid's hands and teach them the game of golf. That, yeah, that, it's a, that's simple. And, and the game of golf, but the, the, the intangibles that come along with the game of golf, the character development, the life lessons you learn with it, and the academic exposure that goes along with it. I mean, there's a lot of STEM curriculum, which is a hot word in education right it, now. It is. It's hot. Being and, a teacher and a coach, yeah. it's huge. So, I mean, there's a lot. We have our own STEM curriculum that when, when we get real comfortable with like a private school or something like that, we'll bust that out. Out and and show people just some different I mean just think about it think about that ball and that club hitting that ball and explain to the kid the, the idea of momentum and velocity and, and it, there, there's a lot of uniqueness to golf that kids can really tie the two together so so yeah it's uh, it is to teach the games of golf grow them grow the game teach them the fundamentals but man that character development stuff and and education background it, it those are intangible lessons that are Lifelong lessons. I, I totally agree, especially being a coach, because uh, like when we spoke at when we spoke at around at at BRAC on Sunday, yeah, um, not all kids play sports, and and I feel bad for those kids that don't have that opportunity to just get out there and just experience. That doesn't mean they have to play football, they have basketball, baseball, softball, but I think golf is golf and tennis are they're they're really big individual sports that can also be played as team sports as well. And I think it, it kind of works to that kid that might not be so outgoing, that might be more cerebral, and that, like you said, the mathematics and the science and the STEM, that you could, some kids, like, if you teach them technically, they might be able to do it as opposed to showing them or seeing it on TV. You're absolutely correct. And I think I just, that's huge, man. That's huge what you're doing is because, you know, it's the power of sports. I don't think a lot of people understand it. You know, some people get it. And I think some, I feel, like I said, I feel sorry for some kids that will never experience it. And it sounds like what uh, Premier Golf, what TGA Premier Golf is doing is, is just you're, you're giving that love and that power of sports and you're giving it to others that might not ever have the opportunity. Yeah, not to interrupt you. If you uh, Interrupt me, it's okay. Uh, yeah, Nothing no, is OB. Nothing yeah, is OB. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at the Instagram thing. I'm, I try to stay off Facebook as much as possible, but I am trying to run a, a business here. And... If you go, you, you see one of our, our hashtags, if you ever type it into Instagram, is sports changes lives. And and I think that is just a wonderful statement because it does. Any of us that have ever yeah, participated it in it, it really does. And that's why I'm so proud of TGA, you know, what was Premier Junior Golf, to now be called TGA Premier Sports. So they ventured off into tennis, and now they're bringing on the other sports. It's awesome. It's awesome because they're just going to impact that many more young youth in our community. You're pumping me up cool. right now, man. Right, You're yeah. pumping me up. Uh, now tell me, when we spoke on when we spoke at our round the other day, you said something that really stood out to me. You you really told me what was the overall purpose of why you invested in this type of franchise. Yeah. So uh, I'll go back. I was telling you the story about living in Cody, Wyoming, and not having access to golf. I didn't have the money for the clubs. I couldn't get to that silly country club. 
really what it came down to was uh, I, my dad let me borrow a seven iron and we had five acres out in Wyoming. He gave me a ball and I just hit that ball back and forth from those five acres. I'd set up the little flags. I would mow some grass out in the field and make it green. It was, it was a little ridiculous, actually, but but it was awesome. And so you're good. So you're saying you're good with the seven iron? I uh, yeah 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 yeah. And especially uh, golfing in New Mexico in high school, I learned how to hit a lot of low burners. Uh, yeah, with the seven <laughs> iron, man. Chipped with that thing. Yeah. Anyways, but yes, I'm good. I'm decent with the seven iron. I I told you the story about me not being able to get to the the course in Cody, Wyoming, or being able to play. I want to make sure that doesn't happen to any kid in San Antonio. That that's my end goal. And by doing that, I use this terminology I got from when I was getting ready to purchase the TGA franchise in San Antonio. I was interviewing the guys out in Southern California, which is the franchisor, we call it TGA headquarters. And he told, he made this comment to me and it kind of stuck with me and I've ran with it for the last five years is, I want to break down the country club barrier. I want to, I want to make sure that, that parents have the ability to get their kids to the golf courses, that they're not afraid because they don't understand what a green fee is or how much it costs or can a six-year-old go to the golf course. Um, so, so my goal is to make sure that, that there's not another eighth grader out there because of lack of funds or lack of parents' education in the game or lack of location where they live, that they don't have the opportunity to at least engage in this sport and see if it's something for them. Um, so yeah, long story short, break down country club barriers. Man, that's awesome. Uh, I feel I feel your passion right there because uh, growing up in Corpus Christi, we have a country club, and my dad, the only time he had ever been on it is when he was caddying when he was young. And one of my goals is I want to get my dad to play on that course, and I think through this podcast I'll be able to do that. I will make it happen. <laughs> and through this podcast, I know you're you're living out you're living out through this TGA Premier Golf, through what you're doing right now. You're you're already doing that. From what I sound from just from us talking is you're already giving out clubs to a lot of kids that will never have that opportunity. And I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. I, I love what you're doing with these kids. I'm going to edit this out right now. I'm just telling you, it's just, you're, you're really hitting home. Thanks. You're hitting home. Thanks. Um, especially my wife works, you know, in a very, very poor school. Same thing, just... You know, kids don't have their own clubs. Great. My wife said, she said, babe, I have this one boy and this one girl that I teach. If you could put together just a little, a little golf goodie bag for them, I'd appreciate it because they're doing really well in class and I want to reward my students. I said, heck yeah, I'll do that. I'm over there going through my stuff and I'm like, okay, not that, not that poker chip, <laughs> not that, not that divot tool. And, you know, long story short, I gave it to him and they didn't know what the stuff was. Why do I need a towel? Why do I, what is this little spiky thing? You know, what is this, it's a divot, you know, a divot right. tool. And, you know, it's just, I'm sure you, it, it, se it seems like, you know, from as long as you've had this company, I'm sure you've had your ups and downs, but I'm sure you had those times where this is why I do it. Yeah, and, and to, to sidebar on that conversation, I'll, I'll try not to go down a rabbit hole here, but go for two, it. two things come to mind is one, one thing that I feel like I have not done a good enough job in San Antonio is is TJ Premier Junior Golf also has a nonprofit called TJ Sports Foundation. It's 501c3 ready to roll sports foundation. And if I just had more time in the day because I do have an alter ego, I have another job that pays the bills for my family. Um, if I had more time in the day, I'd be doing whatever I can philanthropy wise to get money into that pot um, to then be able to provide our program to the underprivileged youth of San Antonio. 
And uh, that's something I hope to maybe take the next, I've been doing this for five years in San Antonio. And maybe that, that would be my goal is to have a goal of say, hey, $100,000 in the next five years is gonna get pumped into this city. Somehow, some way from somebody either listening on this podcast or a conversation in a golf cart, but something's gonna happen where we can help out, help out your wife and help out other people around the city. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know, it's just a great opportunity. I, I had one other thing to say, I uh, forget what it is, but either way, okay. Hey, yeah, we got some more time, don't worry, <laughs> we got some more time. Come back. Now tell me, what are some current events that are being offered right now or something that you're doing, maybe promotion-wise or instruction-wise that you're doing to bring it to other schools? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, what what we do, again, 90% of the stuff we do is we're partnering with after-school, uh, private schools, daycare facilities, um, you know, parks and recreation, school districts. So a couple of the big school districts we work in, you know, Kamal ISD, Judson ISD, but any ISD, Northside ISD for closer to San Antonio, those are some of our big ones. And right now we're in our last six week session of the school year. Uh, we have probably about 150 kids going through our program right now for probably across 20-ish schools. Uh, so good turnout this 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 uh, last session. So that's underway and really we're looking for the summer right now you got to start planning now because as a parent of a nine six and two year old you're already planning for the summer <laughs> you have to you, you have, have to. to figure it all out so we're getting our marketing materials getting our uh, our website updated um but a couple things we do have in store is we we have a week-long camp at uh, uh wetmore elementary in june i believe it is and uh, canyon ridge at neisd in july we're going to do a week-long camp for an hour and a half every day of the week. Now, are those and open to it's open anybody? To anybody in the city, and they, they actually register through NEISD Community oh, okay. Education. So it's NEISD Community Education. You Google it, type in TGA or golf, and you'll find us. Um, that's how you register for those programs, so they'll like that, that plug. Um, so we look for a good turnout there. We'll do some stuff with some courses and some driving ranges around town, you know, one, one week a night, a week-long camp, that kind of thing, but that's still kind of in the works. One thing that we have got scheduled that we're excited about is, uh, you know, working with, you know, Kerry talked about it a couple podcasts ago, the guy from the Golf Fellowship and... The Commish. The Commish. <laughs> and yeah, the Commish. When, when, you, when you're talking to courses and driving range facilities, you want it to be a win-win for everybody. So when we go to a golf course, and we say, hey, can we bring kids to you? Can we bring families to you? Um, we're not looking at anything in return. We just want a, a spot where they're welcome, where they're, that country club barrier is broken and you're gonna welcome with open arms and sorry if they're uneducated here, here, and here, but they're learning. And um, so we found that Sunday afternoons is kind of a dead spot for a lot of golf courses. And so we have, uh, we've organized an eight week uh, season. First two weeks are gonna be kind of tryouts and practice, go over rules, safety, that kind of stuff. And then we're going to do a six-week tournament series called TGA Premier Junior League. And we're going to do a league series on Sunday afternoon starting in June. And we're going to go hit a few courses around town. Do you think and, Do you think I could give these kids some comp? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So, yeah, so that's going to be fun. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to have a minimum registration of 12. We're going to have a maximum registration of 20. And, uh, you know, if, if 60 people want to sign up, I, I'll do my best to figure it out. But if not, we'll do it again next year. And uh, I think this is going to be fruitful. And so I'd, I'd point people to that is a tournament series where, hey, there, there's nothing wrong with Little Linksters. There's nothing wrong with PGA Junior League. There's nothing wrong with any of those guys. I mean, drive, chip, and putt are the best thing, is the best thing going for junior golf right now. It's amazing seeing that during Master Series. My kids participated in the last four years. 
that's all awesome. We're just trying to fill another a gap. Yeah, fill in the gaps. Uh, fill in the gaps, and we're just trying to promote the game, grow the game, teach these kids different ways to play other than just, you know, um, their individual ball. There'll be scrambles, best balls, all sorts of different ways where the kids can get entertained. And what's cool about our program is at the school, most of these kids are going to be coming to us from, you know, they've been participating with us at the school. They've already learned what a red hazard stake is. They learned what an out-of-bounds stake is. They know the difference between the tee box, a fringe, a rough, fairway, greens, how to repair a divot. They know not to stand in the line already. So, so when they get to the course, they are set up for success. You know, they see a red stick and they go, oh, I know what that is. Instead of, <laughs> what is that, Dad? You're like, no, no, no. You know, and I know what the difference between the white and the red stick is. And you give them that opportunity to succeed on the course, they have that better, more likely chance to succeed because they're not overwhelmed by the whole thing. Man, I I need to bring your program to my school because you know do I don't it. I don't even think my kids know this stuff, <laughs> and I thought I'm pretty good about teaching them. Because uh, same thing, like you said, we go over golf etiquette, safety, because you want your kids to be welcomed back. Yes. The worst thing that can somebody tell you is that your your kids don't know how to act yes. on a golf course, yep. and I'm sure you know there's a lot of those stereotypes out there to where kids don't belong on the golf course. And so, especially kids that don't have their don't have their own clubs, mm-hmm. or don't have both of their parents, mm-hmm. or maybe a different race, religion, you know, yep. don't belong out there. Yep. And so, um, that's huge. That's huge, especially. Uh, but I do teach my kids a lot about integrity. Yes. I do, you know, maybe maybe they know more integrity than they do the rules. <laughs> and, I, and I, hey, I commend myself. I commend myself for that. That's awesome. Now, tell me, besides a franchise role, uh, besides a franchise. What role does the game of golf play in your life? Wow. I, you know, besides the franchise role, because that's my passion. That's my passion outlet. So I'm able to have my my you know construction, land development, civil engineering career, and then I'm able to use this as my passion that keeps me sane because um, it's easy to get burnt out in either industry. And so this fills that role. But other than franchise role, other than running the franchise, really, golf plays gives me an opportunity to beat my dad and my three older brothers at a sport. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. So I can win at something. That's a good thing. It gives me an opportunity to hang out with my nine-year-old, my six-year-old, and my two-year-old whenever I want and have quality time. I mean, amazing quality time with those kids. It gives me an opportunity to build long-lasting friendships because, uh, like I said before, spending four and a half hours in a cart with a guy, you you like figure out if he's a good dude or not um quality time with my wife it's just and really one of the the biggest things that i learned from it is when i played high school golf i I was good uh state tournaments you know opportunity to play some college golf pgm program and i chose education career construction and engineering but uh when i when i got out of college out at purdue out in indiana i started my career in southern california and it was probably six months in Somebody invited me to a charity golf event, a construction charity golf event, which is not common. I mean, it's very common. And I went out, still had the hand-me-down clubs that I got when I was in high school, when I played high school golf. You know. What kind pal- were they? What kind were they? Pal Joey's. I mean, we have some Pal Joey's out there, but Pal Joey's. And there were uh, Wilson Woods, you know, had a couple dents in them. And were they had, real wood? No, no, they're just the next, like, the, the year that they transferred from wood to whatever metal that was. And, uh, and then I had a Ping Zing putter. Man, I was proud of that Ping Zing hey. putter. So, Where is it now? It's still in, it's, it's in another bag. I've upgraded putters, but uh, it's, it's, it's my backup one when I'm not putting good. Um, so anyways, uh, train of thought was 
when I got invited to that golf tournament, you know, I hadn't played but maybe four times when I was in college. Once a year, I'd save up some money and I'd go play a, a great course out at Purdue that was designed by Pete Dye. And then I went to Southern California, played in that round. I don't know, I shot maybe mid-80s, nothing great with those same crappy clubs. And But the guys I was playing was like, wow, James can play. You know, I, was, I probably beat all of them. They don't know those guys can play either. And uh, But it was just a good camaraderie. And you wouldn't you know it, maybe every month or every other month after that, for the next eight years I spent in Southern California, I was invited to a golf tournament. Because I, I wasn't the all-star, but I was a guy that could hang and I could have a good attitude for five hours. And um, you know, shooting the 70s, but you're playing in scrambles and it, get a hold of one or make a putt and everybody's happy. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to stop you right here. Yeah. You're, you're, you're pissing me off right now because <laughs> it sounds like you're a damn natural at this game. No. And I'm like, you know what? I'm out there every day. I'm grinding. I mean, I am a grinder. And I can't hit in the 70s. And I have trouble get, staying in the 80s. And I'm like, man, this jerk right here, this no. ass is, is just saying that, hey, he can just pick up his pal joys and shoot a good round. <laughs> yeah, I was Limbermore back then. <laughs> hey, I'm still, yeah, I'll splash him in the 70s now it's you know or low mid 80s and i'll get the 90 rounds too it's it's really you know you get out and practice or, or not overthink it but yeah thank you but no i'm no great golfer but i, I just love the game but w what i was getting at is when they invited me to that golf tournament then all of a sudden i'm playing in all these golf tournaments and all of a sudden i'm riding in golf carts with presidents and ceos of home builders and land developers and and construction companies and wouldn't you know it my career just skyrocketed because there's a lot you can learn from a gentleman in a golf cart for four and a half hours you can one learn how they can handle their liquor two you can learn how they have high integrity what is their character like what do they do when they under stress there's a, a lot there that if if you as the ceo or the president or the hiring manager is playing in that golf tournament you have a, a, a void in your company you can tell a lot from that four and a half hours if you want that person, regardless of their credentials, to be fitted for. Or if you have a friend that knows that you need a position filled. And sure enough, I mean, I, I contribute my success to to golf in, in the land development, civil engineering, and and uh, just development, home building, and in general. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you're talking a lot about being in a cart with somebody for four to five hours, because that is going to play into our our big section at the end. <laughs> beyond the stakes uh -oh. so i'm glad we're gonna get there yeah. so I'm, I'm really glad you're making a really big point about meeting being with somebody for four to five hours because that's gonna play into later uh -oh. tell me most memorable golf round most, or most memorable moment a moment or golf round yes wow um okay it's a quick one but i got to meet ben crenshaw after uh us won the 99 Ryder Cup. Tex another Texas boy. Yeah. Another Texas yeah. guy. Yeah, that was a really cool experience. I was, just, uh, I was going from a junior to senior year in high school, and uh, we were, the, the, the there was another course I was about ready to break ground out near Elephant Butte, New Mexico, and he was going to be one of the co-designers on it, and so he invited the high school team out, got to shake his hand. He hit that same dirty Wilson five wood that I'd been playing with for all four years of high school. And, and he hit it so smooth. It's such a smooth swing. And I got a chance. I did audit off. It was so bad. Um, but it was just a quick, you know, he, he signed a golf ball and shook my hand. It was real quick, but just a gentleman, but really most memorable round uh, would be going back to that story of Cody, Wyoming, not being able to get to that golf course. Well, my dad has a twin brother. Uncle Jerry and my dad's name is John and I must have shared this story with Uncle Jerry but when he came to visit it was the summer we were moving from Wyoming down to New Mexico 
he made sure we got to that golf course. So I don't know if he slipped somebody a $100 bill or whatever, but me, Dad, and Uncle Jerry got to finally play that, that golf course, that country club in Cody. And uh, it was my eighth grade summer. And I went out and played first round of life I ever played. I forgot what I shot. I think it was like in the 90s, but I know it wasn't, right? <laughs> and I was uh, going to say, dude, yeah, the podcast yeah. is over. If you <laughs> right. say that as an eighth right. grade, you shot in the 90s, it's, we're done. We're through. Pretty sure it wasn't. <laughs> my scorecard might have said so. I don't know. And uh, I went out and played. But I remember at the end of that round, uh, my Uncle Jerry came up to me and my dad. Uh, but, you know, your dad always encourages you. Well, if you have a good dad, he always encourages you. So it kind of goes in one year and out yeah. the other. And then you really realize it when you're 35 and your dad's getting older. <laughs> well, when I was, you know, when we were 14 or 15, my uncle told me, he's like, you're a natural at this game. You, have, you, you just keep going at this, going at this. And that that encouraged me so much to feel like I had confidence when I did go down to New Mexico and they said, hey, you should try out for the high school golf team to even try out. You know, had I even had that conversation, I, I would probably would have been embarrassed uh, to even go play. So that's probably my most memorable round is really it's more sentimental than it is uh, fun or best score. So you finally got to get on the course that had always been off limits to you. Yes. And because the conversation that your uncle had with you, it sparked your interest yep. in golf. Yep. Yep. And it, it all, it's all coming back to the chair natural, man, which makes it really unappealing right now. Unappealing. But the, the unappealing art is I am a natural. Why am I still shooting in the 80s and sometimes 90s? And you know And that's why you're still on the podcast right now. Humbleness, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Craziest story. Craziest story. Oh, on wow. On the course. Wow, 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 wow. Okay. Uh, I would say... I don't. I, I just something that pops in my mind. Uh, brother-in-law Billy, who lives here in San Antonio, we're playing out in Southern California. The course uh, is called the Pachanga Indian Reservation. It's a big casino outside Temecula. Beautiful course, unbelievable. And uh, there's a bunch of ducks in front of the pond. And we're like, don't, don't, don't kill one of those ducks, Billy. Don't do it, man. And he's like, I won't, I won't. You know, just give him a hard time. <laughs> he hit a low burner that did not touch the ground off of a par three right over the water. And he, 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 he killed the duck. He, he killed the duck. I've never seen anybody kill a duck, and he killed the duck. So that's <laughs> one, of the, one of the craziest stories. Other than that, uh, I'd say the, the craziest story is when the last round I played in Southern California before I left was at Torrey Pines. And I had a buddy, oh. yeah, I had a buddy come down from, Damn. he was living in Pennsylvania at the time, and we went out and played Torrey Pines. I was living in Riverside County, so we don't get the, the break. I was, just, I was just about to ask, did you get the local rate? No, no, like local rate's like 50 bucks or less, and my rate was, it was a California rate, but it wasn't an out of California rate, but anyway, it's still over 100 some dollars. Oh, jeez. So we saved up our coins, and we went and played. We got on, waited for a few hours, they called our name, me and him get paired up with two older gentlemen and we walk there's no carts well they you can do a cart thing but we did no carts and walked and played a great round shot I don't know, high 70s low 80s just awesome awesome round and uh at the end of the round you know I was, I was already knew i was leaving and i was talking to one of the older gentlemen and we stroke up a friendship and he's like hey meet me in this lounge here at torty pines we'll drink some whiskey and we'll smoke some cigars so i go there and he starts telling me about some sort of private social. I mean, I'm not supposed to tell about this on Tory. Oh, no, hey, yes, there's telling is. me about a I like private it. social gentleman's club that hangs out there, which would make sense, right? Because it's not a private club; it's a public course, a meeting course. And uh, he was like, "I know you live in Riverside County, out near Temecula, but uh, whatever I can do to make sure you pay resident rate here, I'll make sure that happens." So he was giving me a little bit more insight of how that happened. I'll tell you what. I already was. I already had the you know the van packed, the, everything packed, ready to go back to Texas. 
and I was half tempted to stay. <laughs> just because of that. Just because of that. Because I right? had the opportunity to play Tory Pines for fifty dollars a left for the rest of my life. So yeah, that was that was probably the other craziest. Oh one. man. Yeah. So the old the old gentleman's club. Yeah. Man, the yeah. Secret, did you have a secret handshake or anything? I think that I was going to find out, but I never went back. So I didn't have the heart to tell him I was moving. Maybe he was trying to woo you, too. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> hey, hey, he was doing a good job, right? He was doing a good job. All right. Favorite course here in San Antonio? Oh, wow. Uh, I'd, I'd say two. Uh, Willow Springs, because that's the only course I've ever shot under par at. And other than that, well, no, I have to do two or three. TPC Oaks is a no-brainer and then uh, I love going out to Fair Oaks and that goes back to being here at Plaza Club and part of Club Corps um, is uh, I'm a member here so I get I get access to uh, Fair Oaks love Fair Oaks yeah Fair Oaks is great which one do you like Blackjack or Live Oak I shoot better out at Blackjack but uh, Live Oak is something special so I love like I just love Live Oak on my website I have a lot of pictures of the deer and ducks yeah and it's it's so beautiful my wife always says you always have pictures of ducks I said, <laughs> because you know what I grew up in Corpus Christi I'm like I'm used to just the I'm used to seagulls I'm, right? used, I'm used to seeing rats and mice and stuff did my duck story offend you earlier no, it, you know what I'm, I'm actually I want Billy's name and number <laughs> And I'm going to call Beta on him right now. I'm surprised it didn't happen in California, yeah. Hey, I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it. Favorite golf club in your bag? Favorite golf club in my bag. Uh, it changes. It changes, but right now I would have to say that it is my 9-iron. Usually my 9-iron, I like to chip with it. Um, I, I can punch and run it, and then I, I know it's right there at 125, 130 for me every time. I thought you were going to say 7-iron, man. You played with a 7-iron no, your whole I, life. I got and... these new clubs. I started chipping with the 9. No, no, no. Well, I, I chip with a 7. Yeah. And so somebody told me, I, you know what, hey, try an 8 or 9. You know, the loft's mm -hmm. just a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. You'll get just that little bit more lift. And Okay, so 9-iron. Yep. So 9-iron's yeah. so got you out of some binds. Yes, yes, it has. But it's really that... If you get me in that 125, 130, that's when I feel like I can place close to the pin. All right. Game that you're most proud of. Part of your game that you're most proud of. Oh, interesting. Um, I think I've heard you refer to it before in the past on some podcasts, but I guess just grinding out parts. <laughs> I, I don't get to splash too many birdies um, other than playing in Brackenridge last Sunday at Carey's deal with Golf Fellowship. I usually don't get too many doubles and triples. I'm kind of that par and bogey guy that can kind of grind it out. But, you know, I spray one out to the right, and I can somehow just figure out a way to get a par or bogey out of the deal. Okay, part of your game that holds you back. That holds me putting. Putting. And I think I'm a good putter, but I'm not. Like, I keep track of the stuff. Uh, there's a good app out there called The Grint, G-R-I-N-T. And uh, it, it's a free handicap, and it keeps track of your stats. And, man, I'm still – I'm flirting right around that 34 putts per round, and – I know if I got that down <laughs> for you, it sure help out. All right. Um, and going into our round, uh, I, I, I've been wanting, I said, you know what, I want to I want to talk with James. I don't care if we go long on the podcast. Cool. I want to talk with James about the round at Breck. Yep. Now, I, if I'm not mistaken, did you shoot an 85? I did shoot an 85. Okay. I shot a 94. Okay. And I went for a stretch there. I had three Three pars, I had a bogey, and then I had another par. And, you know, the guys in my group were just, hey, man, are you going to be doing this all day? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm feeling good. And then uh, one of the guys there in the group mentions something, wow, you're pulling the ball 
left, but you pulled the ball left really far. Oh, man, I'm over here. You know, I'm a former baseball player. Thanks, thanks. And I say, you know what? In my mind, I'm just going to try to ease up and try to you keep it in the fairway this time. Keep it right in the middle. Well, I told him, I said, well, I'm going to try to keep this one in the middle, but watch it go right. right. I ease up on it. I push it out towards 281. After that, I hit triple bogey on that hole, triple on the next hole, triple on the next. I go, I go three straight triple bogeys, two double bogeys, uh, three putt for bogey, and I think I finished 17 and 18 with both triples. Oh, man. And, and I said, Carrie's gonna kill me. Carrie, I'm, Carrie, I'm, and he's the handicapper. He's the handicapper. He's, he's the sandbagger. No, I'm not the sandbagger. I said, I tried. I was like, I'm trying. And then that's what, that's what the, my playing partner goes, dude, are you sandbagging? <laughs> no, I'm not sandbagging. You know, so Carrie said the, Carrie said the handicap system's gonna get me. Is it gonna get me? I was like, Brack's tough. I've never shot well. And that's probably, I shot a 94, and that was probably, and I played from the gentlemen's, I played from the gentlemen's tees. I played from the whites. Right. I never played from the back. I never played. So I was super psyched out going into it. I was nervous. I was scared. I, was, I never played from the tips. Right. I never played the play tips. I day. never. And so uh, I thought I shot pretty decently, mm-hmm. but I could have shot so much better. better. Yeah. I blame it on the, that guy. His name was Mike. Mike something. <laughs> He's the one that brought it, that brought it up, that jerk. I'm going to tell him too. You know? They're good at that. Some of the guys, I mean, I'll, I'll say I played in some men's league in other states and stuff, and I'll say, you know, 90, there's always a jerk out there, but 90% of the guys at the golf fellowship are awesome. It's awesome, Mike. Awesome Mike's the jerk. He's the one. Mike's the jerk. He's the one. And I'll say it's fun, but yeah, it sounds like they got in your head. He, he, he did. He got in my head, and, and it was by the end of the round where I was just like, I didn't even want to leave the golf cart. I, that, and I, I, felt so, I felt so embarrassed. I mean, I was... I was patting myself on the right. back. I was feeling good. You yep. know, I was feeling good, and oh, I'm still pissed off about it. Okay. What's your ritual before a round? What are some things that you have to do before you tee off or before you know you're going into a competition or a tournament or something of that nature? Uh, that's a good question. I... Let me tell you, before you say that, yeah. these questions that you've liked so much, uh-huh. my wife – she helped. Yeah, she helped me. That, that yeah, she helped. Good. She said, "What about this? What yeah. about this?" And I'm over here. That's why I told you. I'm over there, like at midnight. Right. I'm jotting these down. Right. So it, it sounds silly, but uh, there's two things. I I have to stretch. Uh, being a bigger guy, man, I got to stretch. Otherwise, my back starts going out on me and stuff like that. So a, a good stretch. Um, I don't have to get to the range. I don't have to go to the uh, the putting green. I, I like to, but the, the the ritual would be I like to. It sounds silly. I like to pick a song and sing that song in my head throughout the course of the round. What, what was the song on Sunday? Uh, Joker. <laughs> Bounce to the left of me. <laughs> Joker's to the right. Stuck in the of <laughs> that's kind of my go-to one, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, Dang, that's a good yeah, one. Because you're usually surrounded by clowns. That, that's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's true. My wife said for me, she goes, I know you have to go to the bathroom. I know you got to drop a deuce. <laughs> and I'm like this, man, you really know me. I was like, that's I love hilarious. you. I love you. You are my soulmate. <laughs> All right. Now, coming up, Beyond the Stakes. All right. All right. Coming up to Beyond the Stakes. It's a little section that I just started recently where we talk about something that, you know, uh, there's a little taboo and... Uh, can get can go out of bounds, but show is called nothing is ob, so there's nothing be nothing out of bounds. What can your playing partner do to turn you off? 
from hanging out with them again or from like playing the game of golf? Just during your round, what are some what are some things that your playing partner or somebody that's riding with you can do that just kind of you know gets you going the wrong way, mm-hmm. can irk you or mm-hmm. piss you off, or just kind of gets you thinking more about what's annoying with your playing partner and not your game? Yep. Because we all have them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you if, know, I've heard other people talk about this and like, you know, hey, good putt when you're missing the putt and the ball didn't go in and things like that. That doesn't bother me as much. It's um, bringing work into golf. So if, if you get me thinking about outside work that's not golf related, you know, um, that will absolutely. Well, talking I'm, business. I'm giving you my secret, but that will destroy my game. <laughs> okay, hey. The work phone calls, the talking business. Like, I don't mind talking business. There's a time at the beginning, the round, maybe during a break, things like that. But that continual, every single one, either trying to sell you something or talk to you about something that's work related, that'll absolutely uh, ruin my golf game for one. But then two, just make it for a fun round. I mean, there, there's a time and place for it after the five hours of hanging out that you can talk business. So, no slow play, no music, no Smoking, no, no I'm good with all. I'm fine. I like the smell of cigars and pipes. I'm okay with the cigarettes and a few beers. I'm I'm okay with all that slow play. It's yeah, the slow play will get to me, uh, but not as much as as the other. All right, so now I got your weakness. Okay. I got I got your weakness. Yeah, you it's, it's talking shop. Right? Yeah, it's talking shop. <laughs> all right. Man, you threw me off, man. I was hoping you. I was hoping you can. I was hoping you can give me something juicy. Like, oh, okay. We're here. All right, so talking shop, okay, that, that might not be so good for you, but <laughs> I got a little story about one of my buddies. Okay. We played in uh, like a scramble. It's like a two-man scramble, blind draw, and, you know, for cash, right? Uh, my buddy, Jake, he likes to always ride with somebody that he feels comfortable with, and he always, if I don't ride with him, he gets super pissed off, and he starts talking trash, and he's just telling me stuff the whole time. I'm like, all right, dude, come ride with me then. You know, you should have, you know, like he's just, he's a comfort golfer, right? Right. And so what happened was is, is I actually draw his brother-in-law. So I'm riding, and then we have two other of our buddies that we know. So we have a foursome that we're all comfortable and cool, and right. we're having music. We're popping beers already. We're, you know, cigars already on the front nine. I mean, like, we're, we're doing, we're, we're good, right? And, you know, we see him at the next hole in front of us, and you just see his face. He looks super, like, he's super <laughs> depressed, and he's super down. And I'm like, dude, what, what's going on, dude? What's up with you? I, I said a joke, and nobody laughed at it. <laughs> And we're over here like we're laughing because he's a jokester. He's a super big jokester, but only around people that he feels comfortable with. Right. And he's like, I said something and, and no one laughed at it. And I was just kept waiting and nobody said nothing. And then I started to turn on my speaker and my partner goes, No, nah, I don't want to hear any music. <laughs> and then and then during the round he, he said he popped open a Bud Light. Oh, you're gonna drink? Did you drink it already? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so it's like he's these a, three things. Yeah, like, so, yeah. Joking, beer drinking, music. So, he couldn't so, have any. So other. nothing he could do, you know, satisfied his playing partner. Yep. Well, uh, well, James, man, I want to, I want to tell you thanks today. Uh, yeah, thanks for lunch. Thanks for this awesome opportunity to be here at uh, be here at the Plaza Club at, for Club Corp. Man, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are gonna listen to this hopefully a lot of people are going to listen to this podcast i'm going to really pump your tga premier golf north san antonio uh i really believe in what you're doing it's not just uh doesn't seem like you're worried really worried about the money at all it seems like you're really more concerned with getting these kids an opportunity to play a sport and, yeah and have love and have something you know yeah no that that's absolutely correct and if i could plug one thing um 
I, ha I have income from my real world job. I just want to be able to break even on this and support the entire community. Uh, but one of the ways I'm able to do that is uh, we this if I can throw the plug out there this Go for this, it. this Monday, not this Monday, Monday May seventh at Sonterra, uh, we are putting on a tournament called Real Life Kids Camp Golf Tournament. Uh, this is partnered through my church, River City Community Church. Uh, it can be found on reallife.org. Uh, it's out there uh, behind the Rotama Raceway uh, horse race track at the old Verizon Amphitheater. And long story short, I've been uh, the, the tournament coordinator, director, if you will, for this this charity event for the last five years. It's the 11th annual charity event, and it, it's a great way to raise funds. We have a lot of fun. It's for all golfers, you know, 100 plus to scratch. We make it to where everybody can win something if if, if they draw the draw the right raffle card or score the right core uh, score. Um, but really, the more important thing is is all the net proceeds, all those net proceeds, uh, I think last year was our best year, we made about 15,000. And we, we pumped that into uh, Agora Ministries here, downtown San Antonio on the west side. Um, Alizon Apache Courts is who we work with. It's a, it's a project, it's a really rough neighborhood on, in San Antonio. And what we do is we, we use those funds, we, we try to get about 40 kids from the Alizon Apache Courts and a few other projects around San Antonio. And we give those kids a week long camp. Uh, and, and this camp is anywhere from learning sports one day to going to Schlitterbahn to going and shooting guns and horseback riding and archery and camping overnight. And we're trying to grow it to where it's yeah, a week long over camp, overnight camp. And what's really neat about it is, yeah, we give them this week long opportunity to just be impacted by kids that don't have dads, um, you know, kids that have nobody that's really loving on them. And, and that, that's a great opportunity. If you can come out on Monday, May 7th at Sonterra. Uh, you find the website at reallife.org to register. Maybe you'll give my information later on Facebook or something like that. And anybody that's interested in, in participating, sponsoring. And well, thanks, James. It, so it sounds like it's a great opportunity. I know I'm going to make sure and get a team for my Blessed Sacrament from my church because oh, be I, have a, I have a lot of guys that always are in positions to always give back, especially to a worthy cause. And I already know the guys, the knuckleheads that I'm going to get. Cool. And I know Sonterra, they love to play Sonterra. It's a great course. And it sounds like you're doing some really great things with that money, giving kids opportunities that I know, especially growing up, I didn't always have those opportunities. And um, it's awesome that you're doing this for kids that might never know about Schlitterbahn, might never know about archery, horseback riding through these programs. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, James. You bet, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to James Wilson. You could reach him at jwilson at playtga.com. Also, please go to his website at playtga.com. You can also find the link for the Real Life Kids Golf Tournament on our website at www.nothingobgolf.com. You can see the picture, click on the link. Also, click on James' picture to where you can listen to his podcast. Remember, in the game of life, nothing is OB.